Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, Sunday morning, how we doing? This side of the room, Vibrant Church, Sunday morning, how we doing? Man, the students, I need y'all to get hype. Like we gotta, the student section got to get hype. You got to work on your people now. Uh, so glad that you're at, at church today. Uh, my, name, my name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of starting this church as lead pastors. And we're so thankful that you are in the house of God today. Uh, I love it. So glad that you're here. Can we give it up like crazy for all of our first-time guests, vibrant family? Welcome. Love it. Love it very, very much. As always, I want to take a moment, look directly into the camera, and welcome our online family in. Uh, No matter where you're watching from and who you're watching with, thank you so much for making Vibrant part of your Sunday. Let's welcome our online family in. Come on, let's make it loud. Let's make it loud. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's going to be a great time. I know Pastor Brady went through and announced quite a few things. Uh, check out our social media feeds for all of those uh, for signups and information. And so check out our website and so, uh, social media. So uh, make sure to stay in tune there. Amen. Uh, so we're going to dive right into the message today. We're in a series called Kingdom Code. Kingdom Code. And we're talking about unlocking the kingdom of God in your life. Anybody else want more of the kingdom of God in their life? I want that. I want that. Um, The first thing that we had to get in this series is that understand that we are citizens of another kingdom. I may live in the great U.S. of A., which I'm very thankful for, but I am a citizen of another kingdom. And that kingdom has a king, and his name is Jesus. And so that kingdom has different beliefs, different values, different behaviors than the behaviors of this world. And so um, when, when I step into that citizenship, this unlocks blessing and favor on your life. But there is a kingdom code that we live by, and it unlocks this blessing. How many want the blessing of God in their life? All right, I do. I want it on my, on my kids. I want it on my life, on my marriage, my finances, my business. I want it on everything that I, that I touch. But that doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. It, it, it happens when we realize that Jesus is king. So it, because he is the king, I submit to his kingship. Amen? I submit to his kingship. And so today, I have to warn you a little bit, those of you that are guests I'm going to be a little bit more laid back than I normally am. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit teachy today. Is it okay if I pastor you for a a day? Is that all right? Let me just pastor you for a moment. Um, I'm going to teach you today, and the message title today is Rule Your Spirit. Can you say that with me? Say, Rule Your Spirit. Spirit. And the, the alternate title to this would be My Spirit, My Responsibility. My Spirit, My Responsibility. Let me set it up like this. Have you ever met somebody? Now look right ahead right here. This is, just look straight ahead. Have you ever met somebody that blamed everybody else for their actions? 
once again, look straight ahead right now. This is not the time to poke your neighbor or tag anybody on Instagram, okay? This is not it, right? Oh, well, I only act like this because you made me. I only did this because you made me respond. And it was like yesterday on the golf course, I, I went to swing and there were some guys I was playing golf with that they were in first service, so I don't have to call them out here. But they were talking in my backswing, and I just hit a really bad shot. I didn't hit a bad shot because they were talking in my backswing, but I definitely blamed them for it. You know what I'm saying? I definitely blamed them. So that was your fault. I get to hit again, right? And, uh, and so, you know, there's so many people that blame everybody else for something that is their responsibility, for something that is their responsibility, The truth is, in this, is that you have control of your own spirit, your inner man, your soul, your emotions, your thoughts, your responses, your attitudes, your character, your availability, your own conversations. You have the control of that. You have the control of that. See, Ethan uh, is my firstborn son. He's six years old. I love him very much. He's, He's a lot of fun. He'll always be my first. And I, I love him. And, and so, but he's also, he's the life of the party, but he's also very much like me, um, which means that he gets very competitive and emotionally invested in everything that he does. All right? Everything that he does. Like Uno. Like Uno. <clears throat> when he loses in Uno, it becomes a situation. It is an issue. Like, it is a situation. He can get very upset and cry instantly. Like, boom. We go from happy, sad. I go from the best dad in the world to this is the worst day of my life in like 0.2 seconds flat. Like, all of that, right? Now, I just got to tell you, I want to allow my kids to present emotions and kind of go through that process. But eventually, there's a moment where I have to say enough is enough right? Enough is enough. This is not the worst day of your life. I just dropped a draw four on your hide and beat you in uno and you can get over it, right? Because the truth is this game doesn't matter, but your spirit does. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor Mike, that's strong for a six-year-old. Yeah, it is. It's strong teaching for a six-year-old, but I'm going to teach him while he's six because I don't want to raise up a 16-year-old that doesn't understand that his spirit is his responsibility, Right? So I'm going to start teaching him when he's six. Right? Your spirit is your responsibility. Your spirit can literally determine the open doors in your life. It can determine the open doors in your life. I'll give you biblical proof in Proverbs 16 and 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Okay? That's important. But look at the second half. But he who rules his spirit than he who takes on a city. I'll give you context on that in a minute. The other hand is this. In Proverbs 28, uh, 25 and 28, he, whoever who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Without walls. If you don't rule your own spirit, you are defenseless. You're like a defenseless, vulnerable city without any protection. Now, I know it's very difficult for us to understand and get context to that because our walls don't have, our cities don't have walls. But if you imagine an Old Testament city like Jericho, we all know the story. Uh, they walked around Jericho, the shout of the walls came down. It was amazing, right? Uh, imagine that Old Testament city and give a little context to it. That wall that they were shouting down, that wall was nine feet thick. 
nine feet thick of stone. It was at least 30 foot high. Some scholars think it's up to 40 feet high. At least 30 foot high, nine foot thick wall, the only defense from attacking the enemies. So now when we go back to Proverbs and we look at this verse and it says, well, if you rule your own spirit, you can take on, you're one that takes a city. Essentially, what he's saying here is that if you learn to rule your spirit and take responsibility for your spirit, you are better than someone who can take a whole city. In that day, if you could take an entire city, you're like an Avenger. Like you're the strongest dude. Like you could just, I mean, you're gonna take the whole thing on. Literally saying, if you control your own spirit, you will have the supernatural strength greater than he that can take a city. That's strong. Now on the flip side of that, if you can't rule your own spirit, you're like a city without the walls that has no protection, that has no guard, that has no, anybody can walk in, anybody can walk out, anybody can take over, anybody can rule your city. If you don't rule your own spirit, it allows you to do that. A spirit out of control is quickly on display whenever its owner is offended, it's attacked, it's questioned, it's called to account for something that he or she has done or otherwise just challenged challenged. The uncontrolled spirit has no defenses against temptation. Well, Pastor Michael, you just don't understand why I'm, you know, why I keep struggling with this. Yeah, it might be an unruly spirit. No muscles for hard tasks, no patience for difficult people. The uncontrolled spirit has difficulty loving its own friends and therefore has nothing in its reserve for its opponents. Oh, you want me to love my enemies? I don't even love my friends. That's the unruly spirit. It's the unruly spirit. Your spirit. Your spirit plays a role in your promotion. In your promotion. Your spirit will make a room, will make a way for you. It will literally open doors and give room for your promotion. We find this in the book of Daniel. And I know I've been in the book of Daniel a lot in this series, but that's kind of where we're studying through with this, <clears throat> this topic. And so Daniel is taken captive by the Babylonians, and we find that he is placed in charge of the other prisoners. Okay, he was placed in charge. He distinguishes himself as different, as different. Let's look at the word. Daniel 6 and 3 says, Then this Daniel, not any other Daniel, but this Daniel, was preferred. He was chosen. He had favor. There was something that was different. This Daniel was preferred above the, above the presidents and the princes. Why? Why was he chosen? Why was this favor on his life? Because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit. The king thought to set him over the whole realm. The preference that Daniel experienced began from the excellent spirit that Daniel had. I don't want you to miss that. An excellent spirit will distinguish you. It will set you apart. Everyone in this world can have an average, get by, good enough, lowest common denominator spirit, but a, an excellent spirit will open doors, set you up, introduce you to people that you need to know when you weren't even supposed to be in that sphere of influence, and it will give you preference when you're not the most qualified. 
You know, before we planted this church, I went to a business meeting for the company that I work for, and I, there was, we had work, I worked for a Christian company, an amazing leadership, and at that meeting, there was a, they brought in a prophet to speak uh, to this group, and I, I believe in prophets, I do, but this man did not know me from Adam, literally did not know my name until I told him uh, so he could speak over me, and he, while we're in a time of prayer after this meeting, he walks up to me, and he did not know I was a church planner, did not know much of anything about me besides I was very good looking, and, uh, and so, I, but he walks up to me, and he says, uh, he says, he starts speaking over me, and says, you will be, at, this is six months before we launched, okay, he speaks over me, he says, you're going to be in boardrooms with people with suits and ties. And I see you having the opportunity to use knowledge and common knowledge to share the gospel with people that have turned away from it. And I was like, man, that's powerful. That's great. I receive that in my life, but I have no clue on how to get there. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I'm not exactly the suit and tie guy, right? Not exactly my thing, right? And so we plant this church, and can I tell you, about four months into this church planting, we joined the Chamber of Commerce and got very involved very quickly with the Woodlands Chamber of Commerce. And before long, the Woodlands Chamber of Commerce invited me to come speak at a morning devotion where they had business leaders and CEOs and CFOs and COOs and the OOOOs all in the room together where they were wearing suit and ties. And I showed up like this, and they said, well, Pastor Michael, why don't you just come and encourage us a little bit. I reminded myself of the, the prophecy that was given before we launched, and I recognized, God, if I operate with an excellent spirit, God, you'll open the door that I don't deserve to walk through. You'll give me favor that I don't deserve to have. You'll put me in a place that I don't have the qualifications for. An excellent spirit will set you apart. An excellent spirit will set you apart. Well, maybe you haven't been chosen for the thing you've been looking for because your spirit's not right. If you can't figure out why God's not opening a door, maybe you need to hit the check engine light on your spiritual dashboard and check your spirit. That might be the thing that's holding you back. So why do so many people today have an uncontrolled and unruly spirit is what the Bible calls us. I'm going to teach a little bit here. Number one is that we let the past cripple us. We let our past cripple us. Somebody along the way told you you weren't good enough. When you were a little girl, you didn't have that father figure to look up to. So when you got married, you needed your husband to be the person that really couldn't give you that because God was the only one that could give you that. And then the, your marriage blows up and you can't figure out why. And now you're living a lonely life and you can't get past it. You're still struggling with your yesterday. You never settled your past. If you let your yesterdays cripple you, if you don't settle your yesterdays, you'll jeopardize your tomorrows. If you don't settle those yesterdays, we find this biblical example so many times in the Israelites 
You know, they were slaves in Egypt and God sets them free miraculously and says, well, here's the promised land. I want you to follow the pillar of fire uh, by day and the, the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I, wanna, I want you to follow this. And they end up in the wilderness and they're walking around for days and days on a journey that could have taken them just a little while. Why did they end up doing that? Is because they had a slave mentality. They were still living like they were in Egypt. Church, let me just tell you, you can be out of Egypt and still have Egypt inside of you. It can still be influencing your spirit and the decisions that you make today and tomorrow. And God could have already set you free and given you a promised land to walk into. But if you have allowed the Egypt to rule your spirit, you'll never get to your promised land. You'll never, I told you I was just going to teach, but I mean, <clears throat> I'm sorry, just can't help myself. I've seen way too many people that are on the way to heaven, but have been allowed themselves to be bound to this earth. Bound to this earth. Bound to your failures. Bound to your regrets. Bound to your unforgiveness. Bound to your sin and your addictions. When you're bound to your yesterday, it's impossible for you to live your best tomorrow. God's honest, difficult truth. Some people aren't happy being healed because they get so much attention being broken. It's just the truth. You'll never see your future until you settle your past. Even if it's uncomfortable, you've got to settle your past. That's the first reason a lot of people have an unruly spirit. Number two is you let culture, we let culture define us, define us. I saw a statistic the other day that blew my mind. 87% of Christians, these are not worldly, this is Christians, never discover God's plan, design, and purpose for their life. They come to church, and they enjoy church, and they check the box, and they tithe, and they go home. 87% of Christians. And what happens here is, is we let substitutes and counterfeits and Satan's plan define us. Culture will always try to change your identity or shift your identity to what it wants. You know, the truth is the devil wants to rename you away from what God has already named you. God has called you victorious. He wants to call you broken. Too often we care about more about what people think than what God thinks when it comes to our purpose. Well, if I truly step into that thing that God has called me to do, what are they going to think? Let me ask you a long-term question. Why do they matter? Right? Church, I just can be honest. That's why me as a pastor, I don't get upset when people get mad. I don't. Because I love y'all, and I'm here to serve your family, and I'll bend over backwards for anybody here in this church. But y'all didn't send me here. God did. I love y'all, but y'all don't get to define me. He does. I'm not here to listen to y'all's voice. I'm here to listen to his voice. You know what I'm saying? Right? And so I don't mean that disrespectfully. I love you, and I'm here to serve you. But I think we have to have a little bit of that mentality in your life. You're not here to serve them. You're here to serve him. What does it matter what they think? When we listen to them, we define ourselves by what they think we should do. You're letting culture define you. Galatians 1 and 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? 
Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. He draws a line in the sand and he says, if I'm trying to please them, I'm not going to please him. If I'm trying to please them with everything I'm doing, I'm not going to be able to please him. You've got to understand that, church. You've got to understand that. Who are you trying to please? The reason that many times that we have an unruly spirit is that we have too much of the world in our spirit. We have too much of the world in our spirit. What, what you allow to influence your spirit will play itself out in your spirit. Who and what has influence? Do they have influence or does he have influence? Some of you have been, you've been coming to Vibrant for a little while and you're like, man, this is going to be my home church. This is it. I love this church. I've been seeing y'all come for six months. And you're like, well, I'm going to go to next in the fall when I got a little bit more time. Or I'm going to go to next in January when I finish, when I get these things done. Let me just tell you, stop putting it off. Stop putting it off. Discover why God made you right now. Next is not about church, a, a, a church membership. It's not what it's about. It's about you discovering why God made you so you can live that out outside this building as well as inside it. Amen? Don't let the world define you. Let God define you. The person that made you and bought you and paid for you, let God define you. You find out what God thinks. Number three, third reason for an unruly spirit is we try to do it all alone. We try to do it all alone. God designed his plan for you to be fulfilled with other people, with other people. True fulfillment can never come alone. It will never, ever come alone. God intended for you, God never intended for you to be an island True fulfillment will be attained in a group. And that's why the Bible describes the church in group terms. We're the family of God. It's the way the word describes it. It describes it as we're a part of the fellowship of believers, the F word, right? And we're the body of Christ with many parts. We're part of the flock of God. That's what the word describes us as. It never says, oh, it's just me and Jesus. If I, it's just me and Jesus, we'll be okay. It says, I need Jesus, but I also need Jesus' people. For me to step into that, right? If you do it alone, it's easy to have an angry, bitter spirit. How many of y'all have ever been mad about something in your life? How many of y'all? How many of y'all? Okay, the rest of y'all telling a lie, and it's okay. I'll pray for y'all this week. I'm writing it down. Put it down. All right, I'm going to pray for y'all. Every one of us have been mad about something. Every one of us, okay? We get mad about... Have you ever been in a car, and you were super mad about something? I mean, you were upset, and you were like, it was roasting you okay it was roasting you but then you were in a car with somebody that wasn't quite as mad about it as you were like you're saying man ah, i'm so angry i'm frustrated about that i wish they wouldn't have said that i wish they wouldn't have done that and then they go well that's not really that big of a deal you ever been there right there you you're at a precipice of a choice you can go what do you mean it's not that big a deal or you go you know, you're kind of right. You're kind of right, right? When you do it alone, this angry, bitter spirit allows to fester. And I just got to be honest with you. When you allow that anger to sit there and bitterness to sit there and unforgiveness to sit there, so many of you have had an unruly spirit and can't figure out why. I can't get this under control. It's because you've allowed yourself to be angry by yourself for years. 
There's been little things that you've allowed to affect you for years that you could have got healing from if you would have connected with a group, if you got connected with a life group, if you've been on a serve team, if you've gone to serve and you get connected with these people, you start learning and you start getting connected. That's how you find healing. See, we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to God's people for healing, right? Right? That's how we get, I'm telling for you, for you to get free, you've got to not do it yourself and get closer to other people. It's more difficult to have an unruly spirit when you have other people around you that can hold you accountable, that can hold you accountable, that can lovingly help you, that you can encourage as well and help other people. So I've talked about three reasons that people have unruly spirits. I want to kind of flip this here on how to rule your spirit. Three characteristics of a spirit that's under control. Three characteristics. And, and there are many of these, but th- these are the, kind of my top three that I'm gonna bring to you today. Number one, a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. Can you say that with me? Say a teachable, a teachable. spirit. A teachable spirit. This, guys, this is foundational. This is foundational. This is the first thing that you need to get your spirit under control. And here's the thing, nobody is exempt from this. Myself, you, your mama, your mother-in-law, ain't nobody exempt from this, okay? Every one of us, are, are, this, is, this is for us. Proverbs 15 and 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who gives correction is prudent. Now, I want you to picture your spiritual growth as a garden. And, and, and note that nothing grows from garden springs to life on its own. So my wife... I love my wife. She's beautiful, but she, is, she was never an outside person. She doesn't like to be outside. She just likes to be inside, and that's cool. Uh, but recently, in the middle of the heat of the summer, my wife decided it would be a good time to go and replace every living plant in front of my house. She decided I, it's a good time for me to go plant new flowers. And, and I want you to note, she's never done that before, like ever in her life. Okay, so it's the middle of June. She's seven months pregnant, and she is out there pulling, I mean, pulling plant, pulling mulch back, pulling plants out, planting stuff. She was out there till like nine o'clock one night. She had been out there like 12. I, she gets all this stuff planted, and then the next day I thought she was done. I'm like, where's Carmen? Where's, where, boys, where's your mom? Oh, she's outside. I go outside, and homegirl's got her little thing, and she is watering them plants. All of a sudden, in one weekend, my wife turned it. She is 72 years old out there watering her plants. I'm like, my Lord, baby, what, uh, what happened, Sister Green Thumb? I'm, I, I, but y'all, here's the thing. She planted those plants, and those are nice. They were beautiful flowers when she planted, like little shrubs and all these things. Beautiful. But if she didn't water those things, them things were going to die. They were going to die, right? They were going to die. I want you to think about your spirit like this, like this garden, right? This garden, this garden requires planting, cultivation, and the right environment, right? So how can we cultivate a growth environment in our own spiritual development, right? It's by adapting a teachable spirit. When we're willing to seek out and learn lessons from others, from experience or from reflection, we're able to increase our capacity for growth. I got to tell you, I'm on top of the world this week because Carmen and I were able to get away and go to a pastor's conference this weekend. 
connect with many old friends and, and meet many new ones. But the thing I love the most about it is not necessarily the conference and the preaching is great and the worship is super refreshing, but I love to sit across the table from people that I know that are doing things well. And I say, I don't want, they want to know what we're doing because we're church planning, we're growing fast and all the, God's really blessing in a time of COVID where churches are shrinking, we've doubled. And so they're wanting to know what we're doing. I'm like, no, I'm not, we're not talking about Vibrant. I want to know what's going well for you. Tell me what you're doing. You've been doing this 20 years. How do you do it strong? How do you win people? How do you love people? How do you, how do, you do this? What's going well? What's not going well? What would you say when you know my situation? How would you, why? Why do I want that? Because I don't know everything and I don't claim to know everything, but for us to grow, I have to be teachable. What that means is I'll accept I'll accept words from anybody. Come here. Hey, tell me. Oh, you, you've been successful? Tell me how you did it. Come here. Tell me. I don't have the corner on this. I don't know I, everything. The truth is, is that you can't grow if you know it all. You can't grow if you know it all. How many of y'all know somebody that know it all? Don't you point at anybody right now. Don't do that. Right? You can't lead if you're not willing to be led. You can't lead unless you're willing to be. Everybody has to be led by somebody. Myself, I have my pastor. My pastor is Nathan Keating in Lumberton, Texas, and that man is my leader. He's my spiritual father. He can literally call me and say, right now in the middle of the message, get somebody else to come and preach the rest of it. I need you to go right now. And that's my spiritual father. I'd do it right now. He wouldn't do it because he's awesome. But I, he's, I, you gotta have somebody that'll lead you, right? You gotta have somebody in your life that you're willing to submit to their leadership. You gotta have somebody that does that. You cannot teach pride. You cannot teach arrogant. You cannot teach know-it-all. Only an humble, teachable spirit can be taught and then grow. It's a garden. It's a garden. A, have a teachable, coachable spirit with a growth mindset. So the second characteristic of a, a, a spirit that's ruled or under control is this. It's an unoffendable spirit. An unoffendable spirit. Now, I'm gonna just, we're just gonna kind of hang out here for a minute, so just put it in park. We're just gonna hang out right here for a second. I wanna challenge you. You can feel offended, but choose not to live offended, right? You can feel offended, but choose not to live offended. Offense is a disease with only two stages before it kills your joy, your peace, your relationships, your ability to connect on a deep level with other people, your long-term friendships, it has two stages. And stage one, I just got to tell you, it's, it's unavoidable, 100% unavoidable. Stage one is feeling offended. It's feeling offended. It is unavoidable. You are going to be offended about somebody, at somebody, from somebody, at some point. Like every one of us are going to do that. Why? Because offense is simply unmet expectations. That's what it is. I have my expectation. They did not meet my expectation. Therefore, there is an offense. Now, what happens oftentimes is these expectations are unspoken expectations or unrealistic expectations, and it causes this offense to come. That is the beginning of all offenses, unmet expectations, okay? So stage one is something that we all face. Every one of us, myself included, we all face that. But stage two is different. Stage two is living offended, and that is a choice. Every one of us are going to experience offense, but stage two is living offended, and you have a choice on whether or not you're gonna do that. Church, listen to me. Many people are looking for an offense rather than overlooking it. 
You're looking for something to be mad. Is that something our culture is so good at? Oh, we're just going to be mad. Can, what, can, what are we going to be mad about today? Let's just get mad. Can we just be mad for being mad? Let's just get mad. We're just going to get offended about everything. Oh, oh I, I, people are offended by Dr. Seuss and M&Ms. I just, I, 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 I can't handle it. I'm not, I'm not looking for something to be mad about. Why? Because I don't want people to know what I'm mad about. I want people to know what I'm for. You know what I'm for? I'm for people being saved. I'm for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm for people being baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm for people stepping into their purpose and seeing people, their lives changed and transformed and seeing things happen over time, five, 10, 15 years later, and they're raising kids and grandkids that are changing people. That's what I'm for, and that's what I want people to know about. I can be offended, but I can choose not to live offended you know, it's like, it's like those, those of you that have glasses, you'll, you'll understand. You're with me on this, okay? It's like having your glasses, and there's like this one little scratch that's in the middle of the lens. You know what I'm talking about? Especially when I'm preaching up here. I got one little scratch in the middle of my lens, and sometimes I can't even focus beyond that scratch. I just see that scratch right there in the middle of my right lens, and it's, the, it's like the biggest, it, it just becomes a detriment to everything else. I'm probably looking at y'all, and sometimes I look at that scratch, and I go cross-eyed, and you're like, man, that's a weird preacher, bro. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm looking all cross-eyed and stuff. And, but the, uh, sometimes the only thing I can see is the scratch that's right in front of me. Right? Sometimes that's the only thing I can see. Guys, so many times we do that in our spirit. God has opened up the promised land for us. He's opened up your purpose. He's opened up a great favor and destiny for you. But the only thing that you can see is the scratch right in front of you. And that's all we focus on. And we allow, I'm telling you, there are so many people, you could step into your destiny tomorrow if you would look past the scratch that's on the eye. If you would look past the scratches right in front of you, yes, you have been offended, but if you will choose to forgive and move past that, you can rule your spirit and step into fortifying and taking cities instead of having your city took. Come on now. Three, I, I want to give you three reasons not to live offended. Number one, it's exhausting. It is exhausting to be mad all the time. It is exhausting. Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know what it does? It takes the life out of life. It takes the life out of life. You know, you'll see offended people often, they're the people that refer to themselves or refer how tired they are all the time. Why? Because they're carrying this heavy load of offense and it's constant, right? It's exhausting. It wears you down. Number two, it's distracting the whole glasses thing, right? You ever lose, it, you lose focus on what matters most and, and you hyper-focus your attention on what ladder matters least. This thing, little thing right here, this little speck. On this, you know, have you ever, I know we don't have them a lot around here, but y'all have, have seen them cows? When you drive by a cow, I know you gotta go like 50 miles away to see a cow here, but you, you see a cow. I drove by, driven by cows. I was in Monroe this week, so there's a lot of cows there. I drive by a cow it seems like them suckers are always chewing something. You know what I'm saying? Like a cow is always chewing something. I was thinking, man, that, do they give those cows gum or something? Just kind of work the jaw? I don't, I, are they giving them bubble yum? I don't, I don't know. It's, what's happening here is these cows, they're doing something that's called ruminate. Y'all know what ruminating is? It's where a cow, I hope y'all don't have a, y'all nobody eating in here, nobody eating in church, okay? Those of you that are online at home, save your lunch. All right here. The cows, what they'll do is they'll eat this grass and they'll chew it up, and then they'll swallow that grass. Y'all ready? 
and then they throw that grass back up and they start chewing that mess again. They start chewing the, the grass again. It's just, that's why constantly when you see them chewing something, they're constantly chewing. It may not be the thing they just ate, but it might be something from two hours ago. You know what I'm saying? It might be something from a little while ago, right? They're ruminating. Now, I know that's a really gross example, and I don't typically go with gross examples, but it was too good not to use because so many people have allowed offense, and you've chewed on that thing, and you swallowed it, and you kicked that thing back up, and you said, well, I'm mad about that again. You're ruminating on it, and you're allowing that offense, instead of just being offended one time and moving on, that offense is controlling your spirit and your life, and it's controlling your destiny. You're ruminating and taking away your destiny. It's distracting you ultimately from what God has for you. I'll get off that so y'all get a little less uncomfortable. Uh, Number three, it's contagious. It is contagious. Offended people attract other offended people. Healthy people will start to avoid your hide. Offense is more contagious than COVID. Follow that science, right? How come I got all these people that are just mad about stuff around me? They're always mad. You may need to double check your spirit if all you attract is offended people. If your circle of influence that you've attracted is offended people, you may need to double check your spiritual influence. Church, let me just tell you, God wants you to be, he wants to see that offense go away. He wants to heal you from being offended all the time. In a world that is offended by everything, that everything people do and say and all the things, I just got to tell you, the church has got to be something different. The world has got to know us for what we're for. The world has got to know us. Oh, that's the church. That's the people that love people like nobody else. That's the people that serve people without any, any, anything in return. I'm not going to sit here and be offended by something. I'm not going to allow offense to rule my spirit. The third characteristic of a, a, a spirit that is ruled is a submitted spirit, a submitted spirit. The first thing that we've got to understand is that authority comes from... All right, it's like Sunday school. It's the only answer, okay? All right, it's like Sunday school. Authority comes from... Y'all catching on now. Authority comes from God. So a submitted spirit, we submit to who first? Once again, it's Sunday school again, okay? A submitted spirit submits itself first to... Boom, y'all got it. Let me, let me show you Romans 13, 1, 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that by which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against such authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, I know it's really easy for us to read that. And we think all oh, this Bible times. Let me give you some context. These, this was written to Jews living under Roman occupation. This was not written to people that were subject to godly authority over them. Okay? You got to understand the context of that. Paul wrote this, 
to Roman Christians, both Jewish and Gentile, while in Corinth. He wasn't even there, okay? So what, they knew what it was like to be submitted to wrong authority, to bad, to hurtful, to insensitive, to abusive, to manipulative authority. But the greatest test of our spirit is when we disagree with authority. The greatest test of our spirit is when we see faults in people of authority. See, your spirit isn't tested when, you're, when they're doing everything you want them to do. Your spirit is tested, but can, let me ask you, can you honor and respect and appreciate when you don't understand? Can you, can you honor and respect and appreciate when those in your family disrespect you? Can you have the right spirit when those in your career do you wrong? Those at your job do you wrong? Can you, can you have the right spirit when those at school you live counterculture and they start making fun of you? Can you have the right spirit? Can you have the right spirit? Can you have the right spirit when your community is going the wrong way, but you're wanting to go the right way? This one's gonna be tough. Can you have the right spirit when the person that you did or didn't vote for is in the White House? Church, I don't have to worry about who's in the White House because I know who owns this house. So my spirit is not ruled by that White House. It could be a Republican, a Democrat, I don't care. It could be a cheeseburger, I don't care because I know who rules this house and who rules this house rules my spirit, right? Rules my spirit. See, I'm preaching to you today. I'm preaching the keys to this kingdom here. I, I, this, when you get these keys to this kingdom, it makes, it makes your life easier. Would you stand with me across the room today? See, it's a code that unlocks something. It unlocks, when we get our spirit right, what happens is we start to see favor in areas that we didn't recognize we couldn't step into before. We start to see favor. When we get our spirit right, we forgive instead of being offended. When we get our spirit right, we can live in peace. When we get our spirit right, we can step in and be the leader that God wants us to be. When we get our spirit right, I'm preaching today for you to rule your own spirit. Take responsibility. The only way I can rule my spirit is with the influence of the Holy Spirit, of His Spirit. That's the only way I can rule my spirit, by the influence of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know that the Holy Spirit changes things? Anybody know the Holy Spirit changes things? Come on. Scott, it's good to see you, Bubba. You mind if I tell you a little bit of your story? This is a great man right here. I've recently got to meet him. They've been coming to him and his wife, Erica, just beautiful couple. You need to know these people. But they've been coming to Vibrant for about a month, month and a half, something like that. Some of our teams got connected with them. But last Saturday, they had something life-changing happen. Last Saturday, I believe they were working out in the yard. And, and all of a sudden, Scott just drops over. It's lifeless. Drool coming out of his mouth. Erica's scared. Calls the ambulance, calls 911. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Within 30, 45 minutes, Scott was in brain surgery. He had had a stroke. He had had a stroke. And 
I remember getting a message and I get on the phone with Erica and I'm sitting there talking with her and she was so strong, so spiritually strong. And, and that she was telling me, she said, I'm here in this waiting room. Nobody else, they won't let anybody else in. I'm sitting here wearing a mask by myself, sitting here just, just I, Pastor Michael, I don't want to lose my husband. I don't want to lose my husband. She said, I, I remember standing there on the phone. I was standing in my, my driveway away from my kids and talking with you on the phone. And I asked you, I said, Erica, I said, do you believe God can heal him? You believe the Holy Spirit can influence him? She said, yes, yes, Pastor, I believe. I believe, I believe. I said, I do too. Right there on the phone, we began to pray that the Holy Spirit would influence every part of that, influence the doctors, influence the nurses, that the, that the Holy Spirit would influence his veins inside of his brain, that there would be no more brain bleeding. Why? Because the doctors had told him, the doctors had told Erica, said, I, there's a 50% chance that he's even going to come out of this surgery alive. And then there's a 50% chance out of that that he may be a vegetable for the rest of his life. That's what they told. And so we began to pray, God, influence the doctors, influence the nurses, influence everything that's going on right now. Holy Spirit, move, influence. God, change this situation. Y'all, let me tell you, this was last Saturday. At Saturday night, it's 1130. I'm sitting in my bed. I'm reviewing my message for Father's Day. And I get a text, and it's from Scott Cardo. I said, this can't be him. Scott, is that you? He said, it's me, Pastor. The doctor said I came through the surgery and I'm fine. And I'm in the 1%. I don't know how it happened. I do. I do. The Holy Spirit influenced and it changed his life. It changed his life. Let me tell you. So Saturday at night, I get that text and I'm connecting with him. On Monday, I'm getting ready to go out of town. And Scott texts me and said, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm headed home. I'm headed home. Two days ago, he was dead, but God raised him to life. The Holy Spirit changed the situation. Some of you have come into today with some dead situations in your life. Your spirit has been ruled by some dead situations. I'm telling you that the goodness of God can overrule all of that and the Holy Spirit can change every bit of your situation. You're seeing literally what was a dead man come to life and he's at, a, at church a week later. He told me on Wednesday, he said, Pastor, I'm gonna come to church on Sunday. I said, oh, easy, easy, man, rest, easy, it'll be okay. I want you to rest, but he just couldn't help it. He's in the house of God today. And they said, Vibrant's gonna be our home church. The presence of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. I'm telling you, he's here in your life today. If you're, you have something going on in your world that seems like it's dead and you need it to come to life, you need the Holy Spirit to work in it. Let it, know, let it be known, raise your hand right now across this room. If you have something that God needs to work in, come on, look at that, look at that, look at that. Here's what I want you to do. Those of you that have your hands up, I want you to get your other hand as high as you can get it in the air. If you have somebody next to you that's got their hands up, I want you to touch them on the shoulder. And we're gonna pray a prayer of blessing, pray a prayer of favor, that the Spirit, your Spirit God would move in their situation and on their behalf, and we'll celebrate the goodness of God. Let's pray together, church, come on. Holy Spirit, Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would move on the behalf of every situation. You know what's going on, I don't. So God, I pray that you would move on their behalf. You would change the unchangeable. You would move the un 
break the unbreakable. God, you would do something just so supernatural that only you could get the credit for. And so we'll sing about your goodness. We'll sing about your greatness. I speak healing. I speak deliverance. I speak a 